Hello, and welcome back to Haunted Moonlight with me, Michelle. Let's see, what's new? Anything? Uh, no, nothing too new. I do still have some stickers left, and like I've said before, I can order more. The company that I use has a really fast turnaround time, so just let me know if you want to buy one. Again, they are one for four, two for seven, three for ten. If you want more than that, I can math the math. Um, just DM me on the Haunted Moonlight Podcast Instagram, and we can get it all figured out. Okay. I want to shout out a few new podcasts that I started listening to. Uh, I found them via Instagram, and um, yeah, I've been listening. I really like them. So first we have the Dead Podcast, and that's D.E.A.D. <laughs> it's early. I just woke up. Podcast. Um, we have the Tipsy Ghost and the Chilling. So the Dead Podcast is a little newer like me and only has a few episodes. So definitely it's check Desi out. Uh, Desi's also the sweetest and purchased a sticker for me. So thank you, Desi. Um, the Tipsy Ghost has been around since 2020. Like they started right when COVID started. Um, so it is going to take me a while to listen to them all because I am a person that must listen to everything in order, but the hosts are Sarah, Sarah, and Lindsay. They are around my age, roughly, from like clues they've given, and um, they are also Swifties like me, and they drink, and they're funny, and they also like actually go on ghost hunts, like they're paranormal investigators. It's kind of cool. Anyway, and then we have The Chilling. This is with a different Lindsay. Uh, as the host, and this Lindsay takes the first full season to tell you about living in a haunted house. Uh, let me tell you, that shit got real fucking spooky, okay? Like, terrifying at parts. Um, I haven't started season two yet, but I believe season two, um, other people are sending in their spooky stories to Lindsay, so check that out as well. Check them all out. They're all great. I will put the links to their podcast in the show notes for you um so again that's the dead podcast the tipsy ghost and the chilling okay <clears throat> last thing before we start today's episode i well when i wrote my notes i had just finished reading this but now it's been a couple of weeks um <laughs> i just finished reading a book called the honeys by ryan lasala this was our book club pick for august September? August? I think August. And um, I think it was my favorite book club pick so far. No, I'm kidding. It was for September because we just met. Mm -hmm. September pick. That makes way more sense. <laughs> Here's the synopsis um, for what I think is probably my favorite book club pick. Yeah. Mars has always been the lesser twin, the shadow to his sister Caroline's radiance. But when Caroline dies under horrific circumstances, Mars is propelled to learn all he can about his once inseparable sister who'd grown tragically distant. Mars, Mars's gender fluidity means he's often excluded from the traditions and expectations of his politically connected family. This includes attendance at the prestigious Aspen Conservancy Summer Academy, that is a mouthful, where his sister poured so much of her time. But with his grief still fresh, he insists on attending in her place. What Mars finds is a, I think the word is pronounced bucolic, fairy tale not meant for him. 
folksy charm and sun-drenched festivities, camouflage old-fashioned gender roles and a toxic preparatory rigor. Sorry, guys. Out of breath. Mars seeks out his sister's old friends, a group of girls dubbed the Honeys, named for the beehives they maintain behind their cabin. They are beautiful and terrifying, and Mars is certain they're connected to Caroline's death. But the longer he stays at Aspen, the more the sweet mountain breezes give way to hints of decay. Mars's memories begin to falter, bleached beneath the relentless summer sun. Something is hunting him in broad daylight, toying with his mind. If Mars can't find it soon, it will eat him alive. So it was pretty creepy from the beginning of the book. Like, it starts off with the sister situation, like how she dies tragically. So it starts... You get the action right from the get-go. And then it's, like, creepy as it's going. And I would say roughly, like, the last 75-ish pages, maybe a little more, maybe a little less, went from creepy to straight-up horror, in my opinion. And the drama, like I said, drama starts right in the beginning, which I actually love. Other people are like, oh, drama shouldn't start so soon. No, yes, it should. Give me the drama. Okay. Um, this book is absolutely making my top 10 of the year for sure. Um, I will put a link to it in the show notes. Like literally I, I did not see that end coming like at all. It was really good. It was really good. I really liked it. Um, so I'll put a link to the book in the show notes so you can buy it and read it it was really good um and you can follow ryan lasala on instagram as well um he is a gem I th- i'm pretty sure his pron- i'm pretty sure ryan's pronouns are he they might be they them i'm not 100 percent sure on that but when i post about this book on instagram i will make sure that i look that up Actually, let me look it up right now. Give me one second. Okay, Ryan goes by he, they, so either one works. Um, But definitely support. It's a really good book, and it came out two years ago. And just now, Ryan has sold enough copies to, like, make a profit. So, like, this book is seriously underappreciated, and I think it's really good. Anyway, let's get on to the episode. So for today's episode, we are heading back to Grams's house from episode one. So if you haven't listened to episode one yet, I'm going to suggest that you do. Well, excuse me. Because it'll help with this story. But we're going back to Grams's house, and this time we have stories from my in-laws. So Morgan's uncle sent in his experience. Morgan's dad sent in... Um, an experience that Graham's had because Morgan's dad didn't have his own experience. And Morgan himself sent me a story. So um, let's start with the story from Morgan's uncle. Okay. Well, one night I was sleeping over and stayed in Nancy's old room above Graham's room. I was in my 40s at the time. It was probably around 12 or 1 in the morning. And for some reason I woke up. On the top of the ceiling, on a big beam that runs across the whole house, were two small circles of light just sitting there. 
I then put the covers over my head and said to myself, what is that? I then took the covers down and they were still there. I then put the covers over my head again, like a little kid, wondering what was going on. Then the second time, they started to move to the right along the top of the beam and then disappeared into the upper ceiling. That's the only time of seeing it. So this is not the same room that the portal is in that I talked about in episode one. Um, and I, I do, um, I remember the layout of the house, so I know it's not that room. Um, the portal room, like if you walk in off the porch, the, the portal room is up and to the left. This room is up and to the right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's not the portal room, but like I told you in episode one, I felt stuff all throughout the house, not just that room. Okay. Um, I mean, I guess the, the circle, small circle lights could have been an animal, depending on how small the circles were. Like, I guess it could have been like some weird light reflecting off the of eyes. I don't know. But if it was pitch black in the room, would you be able to see animal eyes if there's no light to reflect off of it? Like, I, I'm not sure because I don't, I don't go into dark spaces and look for animal eyes so I'm unsure um but knowing what I know about the house it could very very well be an entity I wouldn't doubt it at all to be honest um so that was Morgan's uncle's story now we go to Morgan's story I did try to get him to come on and tell you all himself but he didn't want to be recorded so you're stuck with me okay Morgan's story I'm guessing I was in later elementary school due to Erica not being born yet. So let's say like 9 to 11 age range. My dad asked who wanted to sleep out at Grams's for the night. The kids said yes, but my mom had to leave due to her cat allergy. Everything was fine until we went to bed. My dad was being nice and took the crappy couch downstairs. So that meant me and Emily, pretty sure it was her, got to sleep in the back room with the two twin beds. This back room is the portal room, just FYI. I had heard the stories about the ghosts and how Grams would say that was the room where the portal was, but I didn't think much of it. Yes, I've always been a believer, but what could happen, right? So I laid down and everything was okay. I fell asleep for a little while, but then woke up to the sheet that I had over me start to tighten around my legs. Figuring it was just the air doing it, I kicked it off and started to fall asleep again. And then the sheet pushed down harder. And where it was over me, which was from my shoulders down, not just my legs this time. I really had to push the sheet off to off me to, to get up. I jumped out of bed and opened the door and just stood in the doorway for a bit, thinking, what just happened? I then went downstairs and slept on the floor next to the coffee table. Luckily, it was carpet. Okay, so... Like I had just said, this is the room that I had the weird vibes in the first time before I knew it was the portal room. Um, but also, Morgan, you just left poor little Emily alone in that room with the spirit? That is not very good big brother behavior. <laughs> also, I wonder why the en entity would target him over her. Maybe the entity like really especially doesn't like men. That, that, that could be a possibility because vibes um yeah so that was Morgan's experience 
And now we have a story from Morgan's dad. I know she had at least one interesting experience at her house in Jackson, also known as Whispering Aspen's Ranch. Likely she and her guests and relatives had a variety of minor experiences as well, but I don't recall any specifics. What I do know is that the supernatural and unexplainable occurrences prompted her to have a Native American shaman or shaman-like person come out to the house. She was told that her house was built on a spirit trail, and it was suggested that she place a gift in one of the trees behind her house. She chose a small Native American fetish bear from her collection. At her request, I securely tied... Um... Sorry, I securely tied it to an aspen tree about 10 feet off of the ground using rawhide. As an experienced sailor, I know my knots. The following summer, I went to check on it and it was gone. No trace of it. It being gone made an impression and freaked everyone out a bit because there is no way any person would have seen it and removed it. And there would not be a reason for an animal to climb that high to take a stone object. Was the gift taken by the spirit? Okay, <clears throat> I didn't know what a Native American fetish bear was, so I did look it up for you. Um, so let's dive into that. Zuni fetishes are small carvings made from various materials, such as bone, shells, and gemstones by the Zuni people. These carvings traditionally serve a ceremonial purpose for their creators and depict animals and icons integral to their culture. Each animal has great significance and meaning, many with protective abilities or healing powers. Fetish carvings are believed to have magical powers and protect or enhance the owner or craftsman. It is presumed to properly care for Zuni fetishes that they should be given offerings of cornmeal and kept in special turquoise-encrusted fetish pots or pouches. The Zuni also divided the world into six regions or directions, north, west, south, east, above, and below. Each direction is represented by a prey, a prey god, like P-R-E-Y, or guardian animal, and are listed as follows. North, the yellow mountain lion. West, the black bear, represented by the color blue. South, the red badger. East, the white wolf. Above, or the sky, the multicolored eagle. Below, or underground, the black mole. These directional animals are among the most powerful and are the guardian and masters of their region. Collectors world, worldwide collect fetishes as a form of contemporary Native American art with an appreciation for the craftsmanship and meaning behind each fetish. The meaning of each is provided within the product. However, over time, many carvers started to create some non-traditional animals due to requests, region, and popularity. These non-traditional fetishes may not have the significance or abilities of others' more traditional fetish carvings. After looking up pictures of the Zuni fetish bear, I actually think Morgan and I might have someone some have one somewhere. I'm not sure, but I do vividly remember seeing fetish bears at Graham's house. At least I'm pretty sure that's where I was when I saw it. Um I need to find the box of stuff we have from Graham's and see if it's in there. But I do remember seeing bears like that around her home. I'm pretty sure. I'm like 97%. I also tried to look up what a spirit trail is exactly. 
But when I did that, it just told me where I can find spirit trails. Um, so that's not very helpful. But I'm assuming a spirit trail is literally just like some, what it is, a trail that spirits flow to, are drawn to, that type of thing. Um, what do you think took the fetish bear out of the tree, though? I mean, tying it up 10 feet off the ground would mean a person would need a ladder to take it down. So I'm pretty sure you're going to notice a person with a ladder. Yeah, I'm like 100% sure you would. So there are black bears and grizzly bears in that part of Wyoming, and I looked up their heights when standing. So black bears can be uh, five to seven feet tall when they're standing, and grizzly bears can reach almost nine feet tall. So I'm not sure a bear would have taken it. No, I really don't think a bear would. Um, I guess maybe the spirit took it. Honestly, I don't, I don't know what would take it. I don't know. Could it have at some point, like during the winter with all the snow, have somehow gotten knocked loose to the ground and then once the snow thawed, an animal took it? I guess that's possible. I don't know. I don't know enough about spirit, um, the fetish uh, bears, fetish animals to, to really say and how it works. So I don't know. But hmm, uh, Grams didn't just have experiences in the Wyoming house. Mm-mm, no. She also had some experiences in other homes. Um, and Morgan's dad had sent me just like two little things about other homes that she was in and had experiences in. So this one was in the Columbus, Ohio area, and we're not sure how old Grams was, but she said she heard a chain noise, like rattling chains, and saw a ghost coming up the stairs. I believe they were stairs from the basement, which that makes sense. Basements are always creepy and typically have ghosts in them. Um, that was the that was one experience from Grams. And then the other story that he sent is, my recollection is that this occurred at her house in Bexley, Ohio. She lived there before moving to Wyoming in 1975, so she would have been around 50 years old. She was in her kitchen, and her dog, Crumpet, a shih tzu, began barking intensely. She looked and saw the ghost of a woman. She had long hair and was wearing a nightgown. Crumpet continued to bark and then ran towards and jumped through the ghost. So that was that little experience. So like nothing too terrifying, I guess. I mean, chains rattling is kind of terrifying. But it seems Grams was just a person that had experience wherever she was. Um, so, yeah, she attracted the spirits. Or she just happened to live in places that were haunted now not connected to Grams's house in Wyoming but my sister-in-law Emily sent in an experience she just had while um a couple weekends ago so even though this didn't happen at Grams's house since um it's a family episode about Morgan's family we're going to talk about Emily's recent encounter as well the morning of 9-30-23, I drove to Glenridge, New Jersey to tour a home for sale. Most homes in the neighborhood run for $1 million. 
the home was listed for 600000 which is unusually low for the neighborhood. Going into it, it was clear that it would be a project home since the, owner, since the homeowner had let the home go. Walking through the home, you can list all the repairs that would be needed. Once we got to the basement, there was one large room, excuse me, two small rooms and a full bathroom with a tub. A full bathroom in the basement is fairly unusual. Um, me chiming into the story. I wonder if they utilize the basement as like an apartment for someone to stay in or like guest rooms, maybe. So like it was easier for there to be a um, own bathroom down there, but I don't know. Back to the story. Not until I stepped into one of the small rooms did I start to feel a little off and uncomfortable. The room was significantly warmer than the rest of the basement. There was also worn down wallpaper with masquerade themed masks. I decided to take a photo and had orbs appear in the shot. The orbs took over the full photo. As we got back to the main level of the home, I started to feel okay again. The home was a three-story home. So the basement and then two stories. Uh, we went upstairs to tour the four bedrooms. Still feeling fine. Uh, once we walked up the stairs to the third level of the house. Oh, maybe I'm mistaken. It's three floors and a basement. Unclear. Um, the unsettling feeling that I had felt in the basement came back. There was a door to the attic. When I stepped into the attic, all the walls were exposed beams and brick. Above the door, there was a shallow shelf space with a broken chair placed by a box. On the wall sconce, there was a rosary with thick spider webs wrapped around it, beer bottles from the 60s in the exposed beams, and a deflated punching bag. I was quick to leave the attic. We ended the tour by looking in the backyard where I, yeah, by looking in the backyard where I could look up at the three-story home and see the windows to the attic. I lost interest in considering living in the home. Was there an entity there? We don't know because besides the orbs, um, you know, Emily didn't see an apparition or anything like that. Um, and I did look at the pictures. She did send them to me. The house does give ick vibes when you look at it. And Emily felt icky vibes when she was there and you know what sometimes that's just enough um and like I said Emily did send me the pictures and I will share those to the Instagram um I think for this episode the thing I'm most intrigued with is the fetish bear disappearing at Grams's house and having having talked with some of the family about it they absolutely think it was the spirit that took it but I also think it's fascinating how some people just have a clearer connection to things like this than other people. I like, do you think it depends on how much you believe in it? Or do you think some people are just born being more in tune? I'm not sure. I feel like we're kind of just born being more in tune personally, but even if you're born being in tune, if you truly believe in that stuff, I feel like it'll happen even more. I don't know. Oh, and um, I did, when I was looking up fetish bears, uh, find some pictures of them. So I'll make sure to post um, these two images of 
fetish bears on Instagram just so you can see what they're like. I mean, there are a lot of variations um, of them. I just picked two. Um, also, when you're Googling fetish bears, you will find some weird stuff that comes up. So if you decide to Google that, that's on you. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be it for today. I hope you enjoyed uh, my family's experiences. Oh, lame. Uh, sorry about that. Hope you enjoyed my family's experiences. Thanks for listening. And until next time, keep it spooky.